You want that interesting? Listening to the sports show on River Radio. This is Extra Time. This is the, 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 the sports show. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, where we bring you all the sporting stories and talking points from the Thames Valley and beyond. I'm Will Taylor, and over the next hour, I'll be talking us through debate and discussion alongside co-hosts Sam Setti and Ben Green. So come and join us as we get stuck into another episode of Extra Time. Coming up this week, we hear from Wickham Wanderers' Brandon Hanlon after he scored a memorable goal away at Premier League champions Manchester City last night. When I scored, like, I didn't really realise it was real, but... It's happened and I was buzzing with it, to be fair. Not then, much chances you'll get to score a goal at it yet. We also chat to Berkshire wrestler Ben Pumphrey, who steps into the ring on Sunday at the Hexagon. British wrestling is on a huge comeback at the moment. People that are wrestling fans who pay attention to the local scene realise now that there's so many different places to choose from. And we catch up with the head coach of the Thames Valley Cavaliers ahead of their showdown this Sunday against local rivals, the Reading Rockets. All that and much, much more to come on this week's Extra Time. Good evening, that's right, we're back for another episode of Extra Time and our new slot on a Wednesday evening now. I'm of course joined by the wonderful Sam Setti and via Zoom, it must be said, Ben Green, he couldn't be bothered to send up to the, to the studio today, so thanks for that Ben, really appreciate it mate. Um, how are we doing guys, are we alright? I'm good, yeah, well, I'm good, I'm here. Ben, how are you? Can you hear me, Ben? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been working all day. Uh, I would have loved to have come to the studio, but sadly, uh, getting to Marlow in 15 minutes during rush hour is definitely not possible. So I am sat in my bedroom right now. <laughs> you did have your back against the wall and obviously very tired after what I imagine was quite a night last night. I know we'll get into it a bit, but as a fan, mate, that must have been incredible up at, up at City. Yeah, I mean, aside from getting back at three in the morning, it, it was a great evening. It was, like you said, the technical side of the game we'll get into, but in terms of fan, it was everything I wanted. We wanted to see a goal, especially scoring the first one. So <laughs> I, I had an incredible time, mate, as, as you saw online. Best thing, Ben, though, at least you had more fans than City at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you outnumbered them, <laughs> did you? Three to one, I think it was. Yeah, it was about four, one corner, three in the other corner. I think one was Pep's daughter, but the yeah, the, the cardboard cutouts will be next for me, I imagine. Um, no, but obviously it, it must have been incredible, Ben. I mean, th- that video of you, I, I, I put the gif out on, a, on one of our social media, I think, and it's, it's thousands of Wickham fans celebrating, and all you can see is a bright red and white shirt and Ben Green sprinting to the front <laughs> in all his glory, in all his glory. So, superb, superb. Remember. I mean, how good was it? I mean, take away the six goals that City scored, obviously. But, I mean, for, for seven or eight minutes, like I said, we'll get into the technical game. What was the belief like in the stand? It must have been like you were genuinely thinking, and as, as every second ticks on, what if? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, when I saw the, the City lineup, you thought it was, a, it was a tale of two halves. The back four were incredibly weak. But going forward, there's so much talent that realistically I thought, you know, we're going to concede a few, but we might, we might get a couple of chances. And, you know, we actually did. I think there was a stat I saw on Twitter that when we scored our first goal, we'd only strung together 20 passes. <laughs> and that was 25 minutes of football. So 
Um, no, as a fan, it was great. I mean, when we scored, it was just enjoy the moment. Mm. Maybe there was a part of me that thought we had a chance <laughs> after <laughs> yeah. about five minutes of which part? Uh, that? Yeah. <laughs> which, you want to get that checked I mean, out, seriously. mate? Yeah. <laughs> No, I completely yeah. agree. Uh, but no, it, it was it, no, it looked it looked brilliant though, mate. And look, I mean, regardless of what was what happened, it, it was a, a great experience for you. Um, Sam, obviously, you're back with us this week for the duration this time as well. No, Indeed, for the full. There's no 90 early minutes. bath this week, is there? For no? The full ninety minutes, unless I get a yellow or yeah. red card and sent <laughs> off. Yeah, I'm here. Here for the duration. Um, obviously, uh, Liverpool going through in the Carabao Cup last week. A hell of a journey that to Norwich as well, wasn't it? For for the travelling fans, for and all those that, that travelled, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> the armchair fans, we were fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, obviously, the, the City, as, as we will speak about with Ben, have dominated the Carabao Cup over the last few years. Is it about time, do you think, someone like Liverpool could go on and win it? Can I just point out, City, although they've won the last five, still are four behind us in total League Cup. Oh, really? We are the top. We have had 10 League Cup wins. Oh, well, that's, that says a lot about history and yeah. how important it is in football, doesn't it? Exactly. <laughs> it really does. That's why we have history, as yeah. we would sing to the same fans. <laughs> yeah, as you certainly would. No, it, it should be, look, I mean, it's, it should make for an interesting sort of thing to see, seeing who goes and does that um, that sort of thing anyway. I genuinely so. hope Liverpool do go for I mean, I, for, for any of the big clubs, any of the top six, they should be looking to go far because you've got such big squads now. And where are players like Curtis Jones and, and even some of our you know, more established players mm. like Matip are going to get game time or Gomez, right? Definitely. So the further they go in the FA Cup and the League Cup, great on them. The thing about it is the clubs are never going to uh, prioritise these. No. Um, after we won, I, you know, I'll pick the name up in a minute. After we won the League Cup, the European Cup mm. and the Super Cup and the World Cup. Um, <laughs> World Club Everything Cup. there was possible yeah, to that win. Season. Yeah, that season. But I did the numbers and the... If you get to the final of the League Cup, you make 500k. If mm. you get to the final of the FA Cup, you make about 3 million. If mm. you get to the final of the European, it's like in the 100. Yeah, that's what no, I mean. The numbers just are not they don't even close. Up, do they? so no, no, they're, so they're never going to prioritise it. But, but I mean, it's, it's clubs like City where they're not as worried about that. They, they don't care about the prize money for the things, do they? It's about winning things. And that's why I did see a staggering stuff. I don't think they've lost in the competition since 2016, which is just, it's just mind boggling, isn't it? Um, but certainly loads to get through today. Uh, but going back to Wickham, they obviously travelled to Premier League champions Manchester City yesterday evening to contest the third round of the EFL Cup. The Chairboys went into the game off the back of a 2-1 victory against Charlton in League One and they had a ticket allocation of just over 3,000 and they certainly made plenty of noise as well. Um, they even had a lot to celebrate going 1-0 up inside 25 minutes as Ben mentioned. None other than acclaimed football journalist Neil Harmon was travelling up with the board though and he caught up with chairman Rob Kuhig ahead of the game to discuss just how much of a momentous day it was for them. Ah, it's a fantastic test. Uh, no matter which squad they throw out, um, it's going to be a one of the this is one of the top five top club in the world. So they can throw out any kind of eleven, and it's going to be a huge challenge for us. Our guys are ready. Um, playing, the champ, playing the champions at any stage of any anywhere exactly. in your life is is a fantastic exactly exactly something and, uh, memorable opportunity. Yeah, and I don't think anybody should count us out. Um, we're going to give it the kind of effort that Wickham gives it every single match we ever play. Um, is it going to be a tough challenge? Yeah. Do I? Do I think it's possible we could pull it off? Yes. But whatever we do, I'm going to be proud of the boys. Well, the, the club has proved that it can pull off the impossible, hasn't it? In, in, yeah, recent, in recent history. So why, why not on a night like this? Exactly. Exactly. Um, 
City. What do you? What do you? I, mean, I think. I think the sense is they're going to play some young players. They normally do in the in the Carabao Cup. But I, th- I think that the, 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 the young players are fantastic. Yeah, their, you know, academy, yeah, their I, academy is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of expect to see guys like Adozi, who had a great preseason. I'd actually like to see him up top. Uh, I think he's a phenomenal player. Would be nice to see Foden out there. Would be nice to see De Bruyne out there. He's you know back on track. Uh, I do want to see our boys get tested against the best players in the world. But a good a good start to the season as well. You've had yeah for sure. I mean happy with with the way things are. And yes. The pro- uh, the progress all I made. wanted was three points going into this match because we are totally focused on the league. Uh, would it be nice to progress in the Carabao Cup? Yes, especially since we're playing against a team who hadn't lost in the Carabao Cup since 2016. But our focus is on the league. A very hopeful Rob Kohig above uh, above ahead of the game on Saturday on last night I should say sorry um, a lot of a lot of sort of tempting fate there wasn't it bless him he, he sort of it was before the game he's got to have all the hope in the world I suppose I mean just getting into it as it sort of happened Ben let's go back to sort of the, the very the very start the very sort of premise of it to see your club um, who we've mentioned who I've, I sort of like mentioning quite a few times thanks to Torquay you are still in the football league it's worth mentioning um you, you're obviously you know to go and see your club play the champions of England. Just, just not that, not that long after, you know, sort of a tumultuous time for him. How, how good was that to see? It's a, it's any time we play a, a Premier League team, whether they're the champions, whether they're Spurs, Villa, it's a special occasion. You know, I remember we played Spurs a few years ago at White Hart Lane, and we lost four three. But that was one of the most incredible atmospheres I've ever been involved with at Wickham, and. It puts things in perspective when when you go to a stadium like that and you see the facilities they have outside the ground, the amount of people going in the stadium, the fact that there was still, you know, the whole top tier was empty and there was still 40,000 people there really makes me realise, actually, hold on, we're doing something really special here. The fact that we, Wickham, are such a small team in comparison. And every time we play these teams, we we end up doing something. Whether we score a goal or or make it a close game, we do something to, to make the fans proud. I think I think that's all you can do, isn't it? Though at the end of the day, and I think that says a lot about the sort of club that that you've evolved into. I mean, going actually into the game, then obviously initially, I mean, it, I mean, what was it, an eighty odd percent possession they had in the end, or something, something silly like that. I mean, it's it's pretty standard, isn't it? I, I I remember I was just sort of watching watching the scores fly in all across the grounds, and it got it surprised me when I got to the tenth minute and I didn't see Wickham one 0 down. And I mean that in absolutely no disrespect. You're playing a team that that have enough strikers to keep the keep the world of goals in perpetuity, if you know what I mean. So, I mean, at what sort of point did you think this this is looking promising? Was it? Was it within their first attack when they didn't score? You thought it might be all right? Yeah, I mean, g- genuinely, the first 10 minutes, first 10, 15 minutes, I thought they had one sort of half chance where Raheem Sterling could have brought the ball down in the box. They had, they, Obviously, they were going to have the ball, and Wickham notoriously don't keep the ball anyway. So, <laughs> you know, I think there was City had 650 passes to our 124 or something, something ridiculous like that. So, 124 no, is an achievement, by the way. That's, that's, that's a good, it's a good <laughs> turnaround. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty happy with the performance. And obviously, when the goal went in, it was suddenly like, is this going to be a typical Wickham performance? I've seen plenty of these in the past <laughs> where we nick a goal early doors. And that was in the back of my head. Now, obviously, they had several chances. They then scored a couple. But going in at halftime 3-1, I, I generally felt, you know, we couldn't have done any better there. That was, that was a brilliant half from us. Um, and, you know, again, second half, until we got tired, we were holding our own. We had a couple of chances. Who knows? On another day, yeah, they go in. 
could have been a different game. It could have, mate. And I, th- I think that's one of the things. It must have been such a weird feeling, like having gone like that, 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 that. It must have been the most mental twenty minutes of your life, where you've gone from total euphoria, but you're you're three one down at half time, but you're not disappointed. You're proud and you're happy. Like that just must be the most bizarre feeling in the world. I can't I can't sort of relate to that in my head. You know, I can't get my head around it. But but like you said, I mean, it is it is good. And I mean, it's not like it was the kids scoring against you either, was it? It took it took a few good players to try and get it. Yeah, but it was the kids defending against. Yeah, it was. Fair enough. Yeah, the whole of the under 18s defending. Let's be honest about it. Well, goals from De Bruyne and Foden. It doesn't get much better does well, he's it? only 19 yeah this is true this is true yeah <laughs> but like, that's what you, you've got to remember you know people were saying oh you know you scored against man city's kids but at the end of the day they had mares foden torres uh de bruyne and sterling playing i mean all five of those could probably play on saturday when they're playing the premier league so you know realistically we, we were still playing half of their first team so you know i don't i don't see it as uh got a lucky goal against Wickham's under 21 <laughs> City's under 21 well you, you could look at it like that can you they, they got a, you know they got luck they got six lucky goals against against the best team in league one so it depends how you look at it I suppose um I d- talk me through it then let's let's go through that goal I mean it's I, I only saw it this morning and look I, I couldn't be happy for you it's the definition of sort of pinball tapping in the box isn't it but it, it didn't matter did it that sort of thing well, I think it's, it's the definition Wicker Wanderers, really. Uh, <laughs> get a corner ball, JJ does his thing, puts it on the keeper, it was a good ball in, and then you, you fight for the second ball. And, and to be honest, we had a couple of scenarios where the second ball didn't fall to us before that, and you were thinking, if we could just get one, one fall to someone, we might get a chance. I think Tafazoli does well to swing it across. It almost looks like he's looking for the pass. doesn't look like he's shooting, because he doesn't seem to get a lot of power on it. And, you know, Hanlon probably couldn't believe his luck when he's standing there, <laughs> You know, completely on his own. I think he even checked around to see if he was offside. There was a foul. Like, surely this can't couldn't have happened. But you know, obviously, it, it did count, and we and we went crazy. The best part is we've got we've got some of his audio in there that we'll play. We'll hear from Gareth Ainsworth in a second as well. But um, one of the funniest things he said, which which really took away, is he he said um, he, he ran away and then he realised he's running in the opposite direction of the fans. You'll never get this opportunity again. And turned around as quick as he could, which was brilliant. Um, no, but it obviously, of course, wasn't the result that you were looking for or dreamed of last night. But there was plenty to be proud of. Uh, Matt Cecil, the club's media officer, caught up with Gareth Ainsworth though to talk about just that and going one nil up against the champions. That goal itself. Um, it's something special that we'll, we'll all savour. We'll all savour. You know, the celebrations in front of the fans there were just something ridiculous. Uh, something that we've not had, you know, since Tottenham away, you know, and, and all those, those those memories there. So uh, to come here and make our mark, just like Wickham do, you know, we always do these things. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, you know, an absolute drubbing, but six goals going in, uh, you know, starts to say it was. Um, what a front five they had out tonight you know they were absolutely brilliant and I had to smile at some of the football and, and some of the play you know I was looking to play at this level um, a long time ago and uh, this this league is just a mile away from, from when I played it was still you know sort of a little bit you know long ballish and, and route one and, and the pitches were not great but now they're just unbelievable athletes technicians thinkers um, Pep Guardiola's got a fantastic squad and uh, I wish him all the best um, we'll take the first 22 minutes but after that I think Man City uh, really came into their own and uh, you know, good luck in the in the competition. But um, we've got to pick ourselves up now for MK Dons. You know, we want to take some of what has come up against us tonight and and maybe learn from it, put it in place, work. I want days like this, not results like this, but stadiums like this. I want to come back to places like this, and we want to get back to the championship. 
I can't thank my owners enough. I can't thank um, the fans enough for the support and, and my staff and players. Thank you for running through brick walls for me. Um, you're absolutely awesome and um, proud manager as always. Some nice words from Gareth Ainsworth there, a little bit about the fans. As a fan, Ben, that obviously must be great to hear as well, sort of having having that sort of um, input from the manager. Um, it's very rare as well you see the manager coming out and think, thanking the owners as well as the fans. So does that sort of um, encapsulate just how how sort of tight-knit it is at Wickham? Yeah, there's a, the, ever since Ainsworth's been in charge, there's always been a great togetherness. Um, and when the owners come in, the worry was, will that togetherness maybe you know start to decline? But it almost has increased, you know. In the last round, I think uh, Pete Kuig, Rob's um, nephew, was actually in the crowd when we scored the winner and is on TV actually running down the bottom, getting involved in the celebrations. So that just sums it up, you know what I mean? The, the owner getting involved in the, in the limbs. So um, there's always been a great team this week, and there has to be, you know. That's the only way we're going to do anything. You know, we haven't got... The technically the best players or the biggest squad or the you know 30,000 seat stadium behind you it's the only way you're going to I tell you what you might have the biggest squad in height to be fair because every one of your players I feel like watching some of the highlights last night is about six foot six certainly for a lot of those corners no, no but that's that's exactly is it, it is, isn't it and it's nice to see a club I think at that level because it can be I think I think there's a there's a few clubs at that level that might not necessarily in their own right be considered big clubs where there's a, there seem, just seems to be a little bit missing, doesn't there? It doesn't always seem to be to be that togetherness. But obviously, goals like the one yesterday certainly bring a club together. Uh, Matt Sessel also caught up with um, their player, Brandon Hadlin, as well, um, and started off by asking him just how much he'll cherish scoring a goal at the home of the champions. Yeah, definitely. I think um, when I've come and then scored, like, I didn't really realise it was real, but it's happened and I was buzzing with it, to be fair. And not much chances you'll get to score a goal at it, yeah, And the celebrations as well was at the right end, wasn't it, with the Wickham fans? I think you changed direction to make sure you went that way, and, yeah. and, and that'll be something you remember as well, making that impact in front of those fans. Yeah, definitely. I think when I've scored, I ran that way, I realised that um, all the fans were on the left side. So, obviously, I'm going to go and celebrate with them because they were unreal tonight as well. Probably wasn't the best goal of the game. Uh, City can play a bit, can't they? Oh, uh, yeah. They've got world-class players up there, do you know what I mean? And... It, it was an experience, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was just on the pitch sometimes just admiring what was going on, but it was definitely a great experience to be part of. I guess by the time tomorrow comes about on Thursday, this will be a bit of a distant blur because all focus is on the league this season, getting back into the Championship, and what better place to, to get you know back into winning ways, continuing where we left off against Charlton, we're going to MK on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. I think, obviously, um, in League One, you're not going to come off against the sides as good as this, so... It was definitely a good challenge, but the focus is on Saturday and I'm sure all the boys are ready to go again. Just sum up how you found it settling into life here at Wickham. You've been here, what, three, four weeks now and and you've made your mark, you've got your goal. Uh, How pleased are you with how you've been settling in? Yeah, I've been been happy here from the first day. All the boys have been welcoming and I've been getting on with it, to be fair. The gaffer's been good to me too. So it's just about kind of just getting used to it and getting used to it on the pitch and then start firing. There you go, Brandon Hanlon there, talking about scoring a goal um, and looking forward. It's nice to see a player like that. I sort of suppose sort of grounded after that sort of um, that sort of thing. I know, I know. Obviously, to an extent, he has to be, but not not every day you score away at the Premier League champion. So uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll have plenty to be celebrating both last night and tonight. Um, I imagine Ben. Obviously, looking forward then away from 
that incredible result last night, um, you know, d- despite the score, the incredible sort of things that followed it. Um, looking ahead to Saturday, regardless of, of what the, the final score ended up being, does just playing a team like that sort of lift the side going into the next game? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, especially when I know we've lost 6-1, but I got the impression a lot of the players were still pretty pretty happy after the game. You know, they they got the goal, they have done well for 70 minutes. So, yeah, I think going into MK, there could be a few tired legs. But the confidence-wise, that, that should do the team wonders for sure. Obviously, there was two or three first-team players that didn't start last night as well. So they're going to come back in and, and they'll hopefully replace those that maybe are a little bit tired, like Jakin Fenwas, for example. I can't see him <laughs> starting on Saturday. <laughs> oh, very harsh, very harsh. Um, no, but I mean, in, I mean, in fairness, it, it wasn't... Um, Guardiola is quite complimentary of him, I think. I think he used the word legend to describe Bayo Jakin Fenwas. Yeah. yeah, so that, that must that's obviously great for him. But Of course he's a legend. He's a Liverpool fan. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm sure that I'm sure that's exactly why Pep Guardiola said it as well, Sam. That's exactly the reasoning behind it. I thought, um, no, but it's, it's it's great to see him sort of still going. And it's um, I, I suppose I think a part of a few people, certainly myself included, when he was re-signed going into the Championship, sort of thought it was a bit of a token thing, especially after being released at Wimbledon after he'd scored the winning penalty to send them up against Plymouth. But it doesn't seem to be the case, does it? He actually has something to offer that team, doesn't he? No, I mean, I think a lot of Wickham fans thought that as well. Maybe it's a, a marketing ploy. But then he's turned out to be our highest ever goal scorer in the EFL, which is just an incredible achievement when he joined at age 34. Um, he scored 18 goals and we got promoted from League Two. I think he was crucial in the, the promotion from League One as well. And you even saw last night, against the right players, he, he still is an incredibly tough person to come up against. I think he won every single header that he went up for, which you know was incredible in the first half. That's that's great to see as well, isn't it? I mean, it's certainly. I mean, like you said, going into MK, though, there'll be plenty, plenty to look forward to. One final question, just before just before we move on to a couple of other football results. Jacobson obviously had a good game last night. You a little bit worried, Guardioli behind him up there? They're looking for a left back. What do you think? <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've always been JJ's biggest fan. Uh, I really have. I absolutely love the guy. I love the way he plays football. I've always felt he could have played higher. I really do. I really feel that he should have been a championship player for the majority of his career. I don't understand why. He, but yeah, it's not. I'm not complaining, but I don't understand why he has stayed down in League One and Two. But no, I, I don't know. Guardiola is going to go for him. Not maybe not quite his type of player. <laughs> Some set pieces on him, though. I'll tell you that much. I'll tell you that much. Um, obviously, it was a great evening for Wickham travelling up to Pep Guardiola's Premier League champions and staking a claim of just um, of just how far they've come in such a short space of time. On to the next of our local clubs, though. It was on Saturday. It was another loss in what's been a tough run for the fixtures of Maidenhead. The soundtrack to life in the Thames Valley. River. Radio. On the web. To the Batmobile. Let's go. On your mobile. Hello. And on Alexa, too. River Radio. That's it! Hmm, I pronounce that River Radio, but I'm always working on how I say things and I might not have it right. <laughs> That's right, we're on to the next, next of our local clubs in the Thames Valley area and the attention falls on Maidenhead United, who after a great year last year have faced a tough start to the National League this season, facing high-flying Notts County, promotion favourite Stockport County and last season's playoff finalists in the wonderful Torquay United already this season. A 1-0 loss on an impressive, to an impressive-looking Notts County side on Saturday, though, in the Battle of the Pies. Um, and it, it certainly sort of um, seems to be a bit of a struggle for them recently. I mean, obviously because of your sort of um, cohabiting love for Talk United, Ben, you keep an eye on the National League, as I know. Um, it's, it's tough one, that, isn't it? But there can't be too much taken out of losing to three strong, strong teams, can there? 
Well, yeah, I mean, two teams especially that are really strong, <laughs> and then you've got the other team that aren't quite as strong. But no, I mean, they've had a tough start. Mm-hmm. Playing Notts County, Stockport and Torquay, despite Torquay having a bit of an indifferent start, they've still, you know, they're a big club at that level. Um, I don't think you can really worry too much. I think the, the worry will come if they start losing to teams maybe towards the bottom of the table, teams out of form. Once they play a few teams maybe similar to their level, um, then you're going to get a better understanding of what they're going to do this season, I think. Do you think Do you think it's just that, Sam? I mean, it's been a tough start for them, fixture-wise, definitely. I mean, they beat Halifax earlier on in the season, which, of course, um, you know, they, they're, they're high-flying now. Um, is it just that sort of tough start, or do you think they've lost one too many key players this in the, sort of in the summer? I think they've lost some key players, and I think without that, you're going you're gonna to struggle every time. So... They've not replaced them at all, have they? Not, so. not really. No, I mean it's it's an interesting one. I mean, you saw, you saw, they they have this knack of picking up, especially strikers, where they pick up these really good, really promising strikers. Danilo Orsi, who we obviously had on the show not too long ago, was just absolutely sensational. He's doing fairly well for Harrogate as well. But I, even the goals, I mean, their, their best scoring performance was against us in Talk United. I mean, and we were four 0 up at half time, so they should never have been let back into the game. But in typical Talky fashion, we gifted them three goals as we very always generous, do. Sorry. Yeah, very generous of us. I mean, it's, it's generous as well. We, we won on Saturday I just wanted to get it in that we've given every other team a six game head start which is really nice before we just go and win the league so really nice of us to do that I thought but um, no but, but in terms of Maidenhead it's, it's just sort of it, I, I don't know do, do you think in terms of this is what I mean though in terms of Alan Devonshire can this go on forever can he just keep picking up these great players and turn them into better players and moving them on or does he is he just in the end going to pick up some players who don't make the cut and Maidenhead are going to struggle retrospectively well Maidenhead have got two things to worry about first of all they're moving their ground mm. and that's pretty much their chairman's focus right yeah. now so I think they haven't got the funds to put into the team right now while yeah. they're looking at moving and building a new stadium it's a real shame as well because it's a, it's a staple of, of sort of English football it's a classic football it's the oldest ground, ground in the world yeah. oh it's brilliant it's brilliant I mean it's just it looking at it sometimes but it's the oldest ground it <laughs> I did see a few ground. bricks falling off a few weeks ago I must admit yeah. but <laughs> no but of course no, it, that, it's, it's a real shame isn't it because that, that sort of history is, is what we love to see in football uh, which is which is a real shame I mean they I mean moving on for, for, for those sort of guys I mean they faced Grimsby on Saturday, who of course started extremely well. Is that the sort of game, Ben? Do you think? I mean, not not even just looking at specifically Maidenhead, but those sort of games where you, you sort of win against the odds that can sort of kickstart a season, can't it? Yeah, I mean, they're the games like you said that if you can win a game where you know maybe you're expected to lose or you're in a bad run of form, the team you're playing a high flying like Grimsby are, just one win, and you know I know they've lost players like you said. But just one win could give that group the confidence they need to maybe go pick up another one or a draw that should have been a loss. Or you know, one win can can change the fortune of a team. Like you said, though, obviously it's going to be difficult. Grimsby are a good side. They you know usually they they end up being at the top of national league, back in league two. So you know if they can get the win or even a draw, you know I don't know what you think, but a draw for me would, would give them a bit of confidence going forward you, you'd think so I mean they, they were close against Notts County as well away which which is it's, it's not easy it's really not an easy place to go especially such a big daunting ground like that it's it's an incredible setup they've got there so I mean in that sense I guess they must have been there must have been some sort of role that played it was a disappointing result against Stockport and I, I actually think they were unlucky not to get a point against Torquay I know you 4-0 down at half time you should probably never look at it like that but they genuinely probably deserved the point over the 90 minutes so uh, it's maybe maybe the results don't tell the whole story I, 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 can, I think I agree I think a point would probably do it for them I think that would probably give them the start they needed and I think at that level especially with the players that, that 
Alan Devonshire's picking up these lower league players. It's all about that confidence. And if they can get a confidence and band together as a group, a bit like what we saw with, with Wickham last night, it, didn't, it doesn't matter what the results are. There's, there's togetherness, and I think that's what will be important. Then I think it, it certainly could make for, for a good season. Do you, think, do you think they'll be all right, though? You, think, you don't think there's, do you think there's any risk of relegation for them? Well, I mean, you can never say never. I mean, there's been teams in the past where, you know, they've been promotion favourites and they've ended up going down, mm. especially at that level where teams can change so quickly with the squads. I, I think give it a few more weeks. I think you asked me last week about Wickham's promotion, you know, aims, and I said, let's give it a few more weeks because mm. you can't really tell until the first quarter of the season's done. So maybe five, six games from now, if they've lost four out of those, then you can start to worry. But, you know, I, I think at the moment it's, it's a bit too early to say. Hey, so, sorry, okay. no, go on, go on. No, quick one. Because, I mean, obviously... I'm. It, you are, and, and so as well, are more of an expert at this level of football because you follow clubs at that level. But, you know, when I was playing rugby, sometimes clubs, even if they win it, aren't ready to go up. Mm. Would Wickham, if they won it, or Maidenhead, if they did better, could, are they prepared even ground-wise, team-wise, or would they just bounce straight back down? I, I mean, I, I, sorry, no, go on, well, I would say with Wickham, for example, you know, we weren't ready to go up last season and we came back down. However, the, t- the, the club in, in, in general is in a much better position now than it was the last time in League One. And so if we were to go up now, I'd say we were in a position to stay up. So for a team like Maidenhead, yeah, if they went up, you'd say, oh, you know, they come back straight back down. But it doesn't matter about that. What happens is the club, the, the fans, there's a change in mindset that when you go back to that level, you think you're a level above. And so even if you were to come back down, it would still do do wonders for the club, I think. So when you look at clubs like Brentford and Man City who are in the third division and come all the way up, does it give you hope? <laughs> <laughs> to, to, be, to be fair... My case in point would be would actually be a lot more recent in Sutton going up to the to the football league this right. year and winning it. Um, yeah. A really a fan, absolutely fantastic interview with their manager uh, where he said I actually um, had to have a talk with the owners because I failed his aim and he said all I want you to do is stay in the national league this season and by the, by the end of the season of course they'd left it because they'd been promoted so he only wanted them to avoid relegation and it ended up uh, being quite the opposite. But I don't know. I, I, I think it's always a club's only as big as where they are. I think quite a, a lot of the time. It, it, what, a lot of the discussions wind me up when it says how big Sunderland are we've been in League One for four years so how big can you really be do you know what I mean if, if you're that big a club well you hear well, and maybe we'll talk about it later mm. but you hear about clubs like Forest and Derby yeah. and Sunderland and, and Villa for, for God knows how long we're a big club you know Newcastle <laughs> never won anything Tottenham never won anything <laughs> I mean there's more cobwebs in the Tottenham cupboard than there is in mine at home. you know it's, it's just that you can't be called a big club just because you've you know once upon a time far far away mm. in a land forgotten in the never-never, exactly. that you want to cut once. Mm. At some point, you have to say we're a little club or Completely a medium agree. club. I think Rafa got it all right when he, when he was at Liverpool calling Everton the little noisy club down the road. And of course, he manages them now, so how's that turned out for <gasps> Rafa Benitez? Shock horror. <laughs> um, I've, uh, like I said, though, it's, I mean, we certainly do wish Mainland the best. We'll get stuck into Reading next, actually, because they've obviously been in a position where they, um, they're, in a, they're, look, they're in a points deduction down the face. But looking back to Saturday, they did beat... They did beat Fulham 2-1 and caused a bit of a shock on the Thames side. 
Yes, the Royals seem to be taking no notice of the off-the-pitch off the soap opera that unfolds between the EFL and what feels like half of its clubs, themselves included, and they shocked the championship this weekend as they overcame hot promotion favourites, Fulham at Craven Cottage. I mean, it's sort of interesting to get both your thoughts on this, because we'll get into the specifics of the point deduction and the absolute farce that the EFL is at the minute, with, with they just seem to be fining and deducting points of everyone, despite not doing it when clubs actually needed them to, like Wickham last season, but uh, which, which I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, do, do, do you guys sort of think with that the sort of everything going on off the pitch it takes the pressure off the players on it and they can play with a little bit more freedom because Derby obviously won last weekend as well and we've seen we've seen Reading win as well uh, yeah I think, I, I, well on. I was actually thinking about that with Derby you know they beat Stoke on the weekend and in, in my head I was thinking you know they're going to be almost certainly down now so they've got nothing to play for and that does take the pressure off the players and I guess that if the fans are still turning up to cheer on the team and there's a relatively positive atmosphere inside the ground, the players might actually feel a lot more expressive and free to do what they want to do than maybe they they would have been before the points deduction. The thing is, there's so much going on around it, isn't there, that it's almost like, you think it's almost a bit of an escape for the players? Because every time they go into a conversation with the media, with the press, it's never going to be about the game on Saturday, is it? It's about the fact that 12 points are drift from safety further than they were already. Yeah, there's a thing called, you know, the prisoner's dilemma. They're basically surrounding themselves as a little group mm. saying it's us against the world you know we're going to prove you wrong we can't affect what's going on outside yeah. our group but we can as a group show you that had the externalities of you know the EFL mm. we would win um, certainly the case with Sheffield Wednesday last season of course wasn't it because they they very very nearly stayed up and I think it was what was it 10 points they got deducted and they they had, had they had those 10 points it would have been a mid-table finish so it can happen can't it I, I think the bigger problem is going to come not when the players like you know say okay we'll play for Wayne and we'll, we'll do it and we'll go for it it's when suddenly they're not getting a pay packet and the mortgage is being asked for and the wife wants mm. the bills and the foods and yeah, the kid that's the problem, Man, look, okay, let's be honest they're footballers they're not going to be struggling with their bank account mm. but they're not going to be wanting to chip into their savings for too many months. No, of course they're not, and that, that's why. I mean, I think we could expect to see a fairly few, um, a fair few sort of termination of contracts that are certainly in Derby and potentially even Reading's case. Um, speaking about sort of some assets they've got though, Ejiara was superb again this weekend for them. John Swift obviously looking like the real deal as well. I mean, obviously with with the fact they have got this transfer embargo, but they might need to make money. Is that going to make it even tougher to keep hold of these sort of players? Do you think? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, John Swift is one. I know he scored a free kick the other week. I don't know how he stayed in at the championship level for that long. I've, I thought he's a Premier League standard player for a long time. With Ajara, he impressed me last year. He impressed me the season before when we played them. I'm quite impressed that he's still there now, really. Um, and obviously, especially with what's going on, it, surely, that unfortunately, he's going to have to be one that's, that's moved on for a good price. I think that's the thing with them. That's going to be the thing for a lot of them this year, isn't it? Um, there is pl- certainly going plenty going on around the Select Car Leasing <laughs> Stadium or the Majeski, as you and I perhaps know it better as. And we'll get stuck into all of that a little bit later. A great result for the Royals, though, last weekend. And hopefully they can get the same when they're paid a visit by Borough this Saturday afternoon. You're listening to Extra Time on River Radio and it's time to turn our attention away from the football and angle it towards something a little bit different. Over the pond in America, the sport of wrestling has been watched in awe from some of us in the UK, but not for much longer. This weekend, local Berkshire fighter Ben the Bullet Pumphrey takes part in an event at the Hexagon. I spoke to him earlier this week and started out by asking him how, how much of a role that American influence has had on his career. I'm just of that age generation where wrestling was 
one of the most popular things in the world when I was younger. I was born in 86, so Hulk Hogan was on top at the time. So Hulk Hogan's definitely up there as one of the most important guys in wrestling for me. And then everyone that was around him, like Randy Savage and Ultimate Warrior and guys like that. Then obviously I was perfect prime age when the Attitude Era came about. So all of the top guys like Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, The Rock, Undertaker, Steve Austin, Bret Hart, all those guys, they're all, they're all the best for me. So with so many iconic wrestlers to be inspired from, was wrestling sort of something you thought you wanted to do from an early age? It wasn't an idea that I, I had um, something to do. I did the same as everybody else. I played a bit of rugby. I played a bit of football. I was never really particularly good at any of them. Just a guy that I was friends with just said that he'd found a place to do it. So I went and did it at a very amateur level. But day one of doing it, I was like, this just makes sense to me. I get this. And the other thing I'd done a lot of as well is I'd done a lot of acting beforehand. Um, so I knew how to perform. I just didn't know really how to wrestle. Because I started when I was about 23, 24. And yeah, I went and got professionally trained for about just shy of a year. And it was a bit daunting. I, was a bit, I, wasn't, I wasn't mature enough for it. I think there's a real level of maturity that's got to come with doing what we do. I took a good two and a half, three years off and got married and had kids and then came back to it about four years ago. And when I came back to it, I inexplicably was better at it. I took a bigger punt at it when I came back. And so I just got far more into it. I, that's when I say I turned pro because the other thing was I was doing shows very locally to um, Bracknell, but I wasn't getting paid for them. It wasn't a big group, and, but it was a fun group. Everyone just was there to feel like wrestlers and, you know, it, it scratched an itch. But once I sort of got a taste of the professional life of wrestling, I just haven't looked back since then. Of course, a lot of your professional career has been over the last 18 months. Did you fight without crowds and was that sort of strange? Yeah, I was, I was very lucky um, that I'm part of some groups that did do some, some crowdless shows. Um, and yeah, we, everything was followed correctly. Everyone passed a test before they came. Um, we filmed it, just grabbed hold of the windows where, you know, legally around, allowed to be around each other. Everyone would pass a test all during the week leading up to filming stuff. And then, yeah, you would, you film matches. And I mean, that was a real test as well because it forces you to fill gaps. There's times in wrestling matches where you can, you're deliberately encouraged to draw in the crowds to, if you're a bad guy and you've just done something horrible, get them to boo even more, just get in their face. You know, um, if you're a good guy, call out to them you know you, you you're 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 fighting back and you want them to be even louder so you can get that sort of support behind you you can't do that all all of those moments in a match are taken from you so you've just got to wrestle you've got to wrestle 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 but then you've also got to wrestle wrestle and think about how you still make this entertaining for somebody just watching it on a video so it's really challenging but i did i was i was very lucky there was lots of very very talented people i know um, in the business that just fantastic wrestlers, but they didn't get to wrestle at all from March of 2020 until a couple of months ago. They didn't get to do anything. It really has been a turbulent 18 months or so. Of course, on Sunday, you are wrestling in front of a crowd though, and it's a home crowd as well. How exciting is that? I'm very excited for that. I'm very excited indeed, yeah. Um, I'll have family and friends there. Um, they have seen me wrestle before, but it's not just the location. Town-wise, it's the venue as well. The Hexagon's such a 
staple of entertainment in Reading anyway. And All Star is the name of the promotion that's putting on the show there. And so that's that's what it is for me. It's I, I've seen All Star at the Hexagon before. All Star's been a promotion for 50 plus years. So it's my debut for All Star as well. The, the longest running promotion in the country, in my hometown, in the best venue you could put a wrestling show on in town. That's what it is for me. It's, it's, it's all those things culminated into one big event that, yeah, I'm very excited about. It certainly should make for a really interesting spectacle. What can we expect from Sunday going into it then? Going back to with the fact that All Star is such a big, long-serving, prestigious company, and now I'm going to backhandedly probably end up gloating about myself, but you've, you've got to be something special to get booked by All Star to be used by All Star. So that's what you can expect. British wrestling is on a huge comeback at the moment. People that are wrestling fans who pay attention to the local scene realise now that there's so many different places to choose from. Some of them are fantastic. Some of them some of them really aren't. But, you know, it's still just everyone's trying their best and everyone's having fun. Whereas with All Star, you'll get the best. It's a real badge of honour to be an All Star wrestler. It really is. People that come down can expect really good fun um it's a family-based show so it's for all ages it's not anything too gritty or too violent it's it's just an all-round impressive but fun show it sounds like it really will be quite the event um tell us a bit more about it where can people get tickets and more information so i think the easiest thing to do um because of the relationship all star have got with the hexagon is to actually go on the Hexagon website and go to the box office. Um, everything's connected with All Star and, and the Hexagon, so you can just buy tickets through the Hexagon website. Um, alternatively, yeah, look up All Star online, and there'll be easy directions on how to get tickets that way. Of course, your eyes will firmly be set on Sunday. Going forward, though, what are your plans for the future? I want the world and everything in it, basically. So just, I will just see how far this goes for me. Um, like I say, I'm, I am a, a husband and a, a father of two. Wrestling as a career um, takes you away quite a lot. So I'm just trying to, this at the moment, walk that fine line between staying grounded and the horizon of what my options are providing are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So realistically, I'm just going to get everything I can done in the wrestling business between now and when I'm when I am too old to do it. And um, I think I'll let my kids tell me when I'm too old to keep doing it. So there really is plenty to be excited about. Ben, thank you so much for joining me and best of luck on Sunday. Thank you very much. That's uh, Ben Pumphrey there talking a little bit about his wrestling exploits coming up this weekend. You can check more out um, on the Hexagon website or through uh, the the sort of things that he mentioned. Um, I mean, that is absolutely loads going on in Berkshire at the moment, and it is absolutely great to see. But we're going to make a switch from inside arena to an inside court, a ring for a loop, as we're joined on the line by the Thames Valley Cavaliers, Reading and... Sorry, which, uh, should get my words out, shouldn't I? We're joined by the coach of the Thames Valley Cavaliers just after this. 
it really is a hotbed for sports in the Thames Valley all year round and as the football season progresses and wrestling steals the limelight at the hexagon it's time for us to turn our attention to the National Basketball League the second tier of basketball in Britain sees two teams representing the area the Reading Rockets and the Thames Valley Cavaliers Tonight, our attention falls to the Cavs as head coach and chairman Robert Banks joins us on the line ahead of a Derby Day clash this weekend. First of all, Robert, thank you for joining. Thank you so much for joining us. And can you hear us? Yes, I can. I'm, uh, and I'm excited to, uh, to be here. Thank you very much. Awesome. Great stuff. Really glad to, to have you here. First and foremost, could you just tell us a little bit about the club and sort of what you're all about? Sure. We are a community-based uh, club. We have... Um, Two teams that play in the top tier of the National Basketball League's uh, um, uh, basketball competitions. We have a, a women's team and we have a men's team. Uh, we also have um, a, an under-18 team for the uh, for the juniors, and we also run community programs on uh, on Saturdays, pretty much all day uh, for boys and girls from from five years old all the way up to eighteen. Uh, before uh, before COVID, we also had a dedicated session just for uh, just for girls. We hope as people uh, now start getting back out and active, we hope to to restart that again uh, as the uh, participation improves. No, certainly. I mean, there's loads to get into there just in what you've said. I mean, you've been at this sort of NBL level for quite a few years. How good a level is that sort of to be at? Do you think? Well, the NBL level is is is, is as good as basketball gets in the UK, um, we participate each year in the BBL Trophy, um, and also some of the other teams in the league compete in the BBL Trophy. Uh, last year, we came within a buzzer beater of advancing to the quarterfinals in the BBL Trophy. The uh, sorry Squatchers from the other league, from the BBL league, they they beat us with a uh, with the last second shot. Uh, the year before. Um, we we finished runner up in the in the team that won the league. They they basically came second in the BGL Trophy. So when you look at the top end of our league, it's very much would be compared to the middle to the upper echelons of the BBL. The, the league is very the league is very competitive. The big difference between the two leagues is I believe in the BBL they are they are allowed four imports whereas the NBL is only allowed to import. That's one of the big differences between the two leagues. Hi, Rob. Uh, ben here. Um, like you've been saying, it's, it's very much a national league. You, know, you have to travel as far as Newcastle for some fixtures. I just wanted to know, how is the club funded to enable you to fulfil such fixtures? I, funding for basketball is always by far the, uh, the biggest challenge that we face. Um, we, we have a, a, a pretty substantial community programme, uh, which helps fund the the, uh, the club. That that uh, programs working in the uh, in the local schools, working with the children, um, helping them improve their their health and their fitness, teaching them how to play basketball, and keeping them active. Um, we also um, with our lower with our lower club uh, run a fee system that's there. And the other piece that we have is through sponsorship, but albeit uh, through the pandemic sponsorship has become very very difficult because companies have had to make some pretty from pretty challenging and difficult decisions for themselves and it leaves organizations like us in a tougher spot and um, the last piece whatever the shortfall is it ultimately uh, comes back to my dad 
Rob, hi, it's Sam here. It's been a good few years for you guys, but um, how much are you expected to go further? Where, where's the goal? What's next? Well, our goal this year is obviously to win our league. Um, we also have a goal to, to win in the BBL trophy. Hopefully we can advance to the finals. It'd be great to win there. Um, will we change leagues? Um, that That is completely dependent on the potential of getting a venue that meets the standard of the other league. Uh, there is a substantial difference between the venue requirements in the NBL and the BBL. Basically, the BBL requires a, league, a venue that's close to an arena. You need 2,500, whereas we only need a, a few hundred seats in our, in, in, in our venue. So if we're able to get a venue, we will consider jumping leagues. There's so many sort of like technicalities and stuff, isn't there? That you sort of don't really think about um, at, at that sort of um, sort of level. But um, you know, certainly a lot to look forward to. Turning attention away from the long term future, just to the short term. Obviously, you know, you play the Rockets this weekend. How sort of big a rivalry is that for you guys? Well, you know, the thing is, with most of the teams in, in, in the NBL, we all know each other very well. We know each other on the court and off the court. Um, you know, they are. They're probably the nearest team to where I live, uh, personally. So yeah, it, it is quite a quite an intense uh, intense rivalry, and um, and it and it always will be because everybody wants to beat their next door neighbor. Every you know, little brother always wants to beat big brother and vice versa. So it is quite an intense competition between the two teams. I mean, are you going to the game having beaten Hemel Storm last weekend as well? Uh, and you'll have faced Oakland Wolves the previous night by the time you travel to Reading. How do you sort of see it unfolding? Look, um, it's gonna. Anytime you have a double hitter weekend this early in the season, the second day is always very challenging because the players get up their their uh, sore legs, tight legs. But you know, we're looking we're looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully, we can have a uh, a good jump on Saturday to allow us to spread our minutes around our team quite liberally. And if we're able to do that, I um, I like our chances on Sunday. I was just wondering, Rob, where can where can we find out some more info about the club, or even, you know, where can where can we find some info to come and watch on Sunday? Sure, uh, the best. Anytime you want to uh, find anything out about what's going on with the club, the first um, the first place to look is on our website, which is tbc-basketball.com, and uh, or just search Towns Valley Cavaliers. And I'm pretty sure the first hit is our is our website. We usually do our best to keep our website up to date, especially for what the upcoming events that's coming up. Definitely. Robert, thank you so much for joining us here on River Radio and best of luck on Sunday. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here and look forward to, to being back at some given point in time. Thank you very much. Dive in to River Radio. So uh, we move on from basketball now onto our hot topic section in the last section of the show. We have unfortunately, and I know there's a lot of people that are going to be upset about this, had to drop the predictions league. And I know there's going to be people that are gutted. And all we can say is it'll be back next week. But there's just too much to get through this week, wouldn't there, Sam? Yeah, and I predict that there's going to be a riot. Yeah. <laughs> And that's Sam's last show here on Extra Time, unfortunately. <laughs> terrible jokes, terrible jokes. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, Dad jokes, you've got to remember my age. Give me a break. 
<laughs> I've said absolutely nothing. Um, no, of course there was there was so much to get into that we touched on a little bit in the Reading um, the Reading and sort of Wickham chat. Obviously, the, the latest news is it was confirmed today that Derby have gone into administration and have been deducted twelve points. That seems to have come a little bit later than it should have done. I mean, obviously last season it probably should have happened. Ben, I mean personally, before we get into it as a whole and how much of a farce it is, which I'm sure you'll agree it is, how much does it sting to see them be done for exactly the same thing they could have been done for six months ago that you could still see yourself in the championship? Yeah, it does hurt and it's hard not to be bitter about it. At the same time, we did benefit from PPG last year or the year before to get into the playoffs. So what goes around comes around. I think ultimately I actually feel more sorry for Derby fans that have bought season tickets this season expecting to watch competitive football and they now have to watch essentially three quarters of the season you know, friendlies, you know, there's another way to put it. They, they, they can't stay up after the points deduction, realistically. They'll give it a go. But the fans are going to be watching games that literally have nothing riding it. I feel sorry for those guys. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the only thing they will be able to influence, I guess, is that if if they can beat teams that are sort of hopeful for promotion or, or struggling in a relegation battle, they're the only games that will really have any weight. But they won't for Derby, will they? So it'll just be for the sake of winding up fans, which just seems a little bit... But I mean, you seem to be taking it fairly well, mate, because I, I feel like I'd be seething if that was me, because it could so easily have gone the other way, where you'd be, you know, you, you, know, you probably should still be in the championship. That's the, that's the sort of reality of it. I mean, obviously, it's not just... Derby that we've seen it we've seen it happen to it's very very heavily rumored that we're going to see Reading get a points deduction now you sort of feel like I mean that there's there were six teams I don't know if anyone remembers about about six eight months ago who decided to try and up and leave English football as a whole who got a slap on the wrist and fines that will, will barely touch their back pockets and they and that's it now they're all fine that's all been forgotten about there are teams that are, that are overspending admittedly more than they should be which, which deserves punishment but the people they're punishing are the players on the pitch and the fans in the sand and that to me just seems completely backwards so the Premier League was started 20 odd years ago yeah. um, the top six teams at that time uh, my club included mm. actually wanted to start a league not because they wanted to um, Break the pyramid, so, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, no, they wanted to have control, mm. and so the EFL and the Premier League are not that big a difference, right? No. And you know what what they were trying to do in Europe was just basically do what they did with the Premier League. Yeah, and and Real Madrid and Barcelona wanted the European Premier League. That's yeah, because it. they're jealous of the money, aren't they? That, 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 that's that they see. It. That was all it yeah. was, and they didn't see what the issue was when English clubs did exactly the same and broke away from the FA. Mm. Yeah, well, no, I, I, I do see that, but I sort of see the the thing is English football sort of. I feel like they've got away with it a little bit the EFL. I'm interested to know how you feel about it Ben but my feeling is because of the Super League there were these people that were massively criminalised that made the, that suddenly made the Premier League who by the way aren't any better than the EFL, the EFL look like these these sort of these sort of nice guys when that's not the case at all is it because look at I mean you, you look at the amount of clubs that are going down the pan we've seen Berry actually fold as a club a football league club should never fold as a club and we've seen clubs go had Southend stayed in the football league I think it's something we'll see I think it's something we could realistically see Mackles Field have gone. Luckily, they were, luckily for the AFL, they went down beforehand. It's not a case of I don't even know if it's a case of necessarily bad owners, but just bad management from the AFL. I'm interested what you think, Ben. Yeah, I mean, I've been incredibly vocally critical of the AFL for for quite a while. I think they do so many things wrong, even some little things like the iFollow subscriptions not being available on 3 p.m. I think that needs to go. Um, that's a separate story. Are they dealing with the racism issue and sort of the priorities they seem to have? I think they're quite quite backwards. 
And like you said, there's so many teams that have gone into administration and who does it actually benefit? Because Derby don't benefit from the situation and they shouldn't. But the way these teams get punished, like you said, like the Macclesfield, it almost it pretty much killed the club off. Bury it, you know. And the reason this happens is because the the fit and proper persons tests that they supposedly do for the owners obviously isn't working because if it was, these clubs wouldn't get in these situations where the owners have overspent or, you know, signed ridiculous players on do, ridiculous do fans have any? Do fans have any guilt in this? Right. So I know from this season as a Liverpool fan, we were all screaming at the club, mm. why haven't you bought, you know, £500 million mm. worth of players like City and Chelsea and Man U? And yet the owners are going, no, we're building a new stadium or we're staying within yeah. our uh, financial Living within plane. their means, aren't they? Yeah. The and so when we don't win the league and we don't win this and we don't that and we're screaming at them, they're saying, well, we're trying to keep this club sensible. They can't, you can't win as an owner, no, can you? because yeah. the club Liverpool nearly went out. Mm. Uh, you know, is Wickham fans saying, well, you know, um, probably not because they seem like quite sensible, but, um, <laughs> yeah. you know... Uh, are they screaming for investment and, you know, to play in the big boys league or are they happy at the level they are? I think there's a way to do it, isn't there? You know, Wickham have been successful on a shoestring budget and so have several other clubs. I think what fans want is success, but they want stability with it. So no fan would want the... I wouldn't want the Premier League and then five successive relegations. No. I wouldn't want that. I'd want us to slowly get there, like we're doing with the Championship. I think most fans are like that, especially at the, you know, the, the free tiers below the Premier League. Fans are a lot more patient. They have to be, you know, that we're not playing European football. We're not playing the big boys every week. It's slightly different, I think. It is. What about you? What about Barry the year, the, the year before they went bust? They had Nicky Maynard up front on four grand a week, who got them promoted yeah. with Ryan Lowe up to League One. What was that worth in the grand scheme of things? Stay in League Two, even get relegated, and your club's still alive. Do you know what I mean? It's an interesting point about the fans and the responsibility they have. But at the end of the day, they don't decide who owns the club either, do they? So they don't have any say on that. I mean, because I mean, I, I look at Torquay, for example. I'd love the fans to own the club in that sense, but the, the finances aren't there. There's not enough. It's going to sound really timpot. There's not enough fans there to do it. Do you know what I mean? There's not enough of a fan base there to run a club that's in the National League, and even and that's considered a bigger club in the National League with a bigger fan base. But the, the finances that are attached to running a football club, I mean, who do it? We saw, we saw it with Simon Jordan, didn't we? He literally bankrupted himself trying to trying to sort of live his dreams with his boyhood club. It's not it's not an acceptable sort of way to do things. I think, and but I mean. Finally, there's there's one point I want to move on to before before we go on. But there's just one thing I want to ask: What do the EFL need to change? Then what what's the thing that they need to do? I'll come to you first, Ben. What do you think they they actually need to change? Definitely the fit and proper persons test. This is the test they supposedly do on every new owner that acquires a football club. It's supposed to protect clubs from owners overspending or not having the money they say they do. Now, if this actually worked, we wouldn't see clubs going into administration. So. Something's got to change with that. Maybe an outside regulator or someone actually not involved with the EFL regulating that because at the moment, to me, that seems like that's the root cause of a lot of the financial troubles that we're seeing. I completely agree. I completely agree. Certainly, we so it'll make up for a very interesting sort of a summer seeing how it all unfolds. And I think over the next few years, especially after everything that's gone on with COVID, seeing how how many clubs fall fixed, fall sort of victim to this, and and what the results will be. Um, just before we finish today, I know we've we've only got a couple of minutes left. Um, this week, obviously, very sadly, saw the passing of England legend Jimmy Greaves, um, who, as I mentioned, is just an absolute hero. I mean, I, I did an interview with with Jeff Hurst not that long ago through university, and and even him himself. <laughs> 
said, Jimmy was probably the better striker. He got injured and unfortunately didn't play in the World Cup. Obviously, that ended up being great for England. But look, just, just talking about him, just going through some of the things he did, just to, to pay tribute to him. A World Cup winner, only got his medal in 2009 because he didn't play enough games. Um, you know, Chelsea and Tottenham legend, not many people get to say that, do they? You're normally one or the other. You only have to look at Jose Mourinho for that. Spurs record goal scorer with 236 goals. He's seventh in Chelsea's list with 132. 44 goals, right, for England in 57 games. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unthinkable. Six hat-tricks for England he scored as well. Obviously, only Jeff Hurst seems to be remembered a lot better. 100 league goals he scored for Chelsea by age 20. Wow. 20 years of age, he'd scored 100 league goals for Chelsea. And a, 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 a stat I loved, which um, sort of says it all about Bill Nicholson as well as Jimmy Greaves. He was signed for AC Milan for for £99,000, 999 pence to protect him from being the first £100,000 player. And it's, it's typical, isn't it? But no, I, I, think, I think a tribute I just wanted to pay to him is it's, it's so sad to see these absolute legends of the game, unfortunately, passing away. And um, he certainly will live very long in, in everyone's memory, I think. So, um, you know, rest in peace, Jimmy grieves and obviously thoughts are all with his family and friends i'm sure that's echoed by both of you as indeed, well indeed yeah certainly yeah. is certainly is so uh, we are rapidly running out of time though here on river radio and we've absolutely crammed everything into this show haven't we so we'll see how much we can do but thank you so much for joining me i've been with sam setti and ben green and we'll catch up with you next week the 